If you would take your Bibles to John chapter 19, John chapter 19, we come to the time when Jesus is on the cross and, you know, as, you, as, as we talk about the cross, I, I fear that for many it's become very familiar. So we'll, we'll talk about the cross and we'll talk about the death of Christ and then we'll leave here in just, you know, 30 minutes or so and we'll go to lunch and then we'll, we'll go on with, with our day into the next activities. And, and I think for some, it's, it's just become another word in the Christian lingo. And, and, and I don't want us to ever lose sight of, of how important and the impact that the blood that Jesus shed on the cross for our sins, the impact that it's made on the world, but on the impact that it's made on those of us that are believers personally. And, and it's, it should never be something that we just, we just talk about, like we talk about a sports team or we talk about another activity uh, in our life. The shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of, of Calvary changed the world. And it changed our world that when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are no longer at enmity with God. We're no longer the enemy of God. We're no longer at war with God, but we, we become part of his family. And we have God as our heavenly Father. And, and we, we, we throw out oftentimes, yeah, we have all these blessings in Jesus Christ. And, but, but don't lose sight of, of truly who we are in Christ and what we have and the, the family that we have. Not only the, the, the being a part of God's family, but being a part of the body of Christ and the local church and, 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 and the opportunity to corporately worship with, with one another. But then all the blessings that come with the joy that we can have in life, the hope that we have that the world doesn't have, the peace and contentment that we have in this life because of the cross of, of Jesus Christ. When you come to John chapter 19 and verse 30, we read those words, it is finished. It is finished. Those are the words that Christ spoke on the cross. And so this morning, I want us to consider that statement, it is finished, and, and really contemplate the reality of the cross. Father, thank you so much for these that have accepted Christ and followed in baptism, and, and Lord, what, what, what a, a joyful moment it is for them, but for us as a church as well. Lord, what a great reminder it is for us that have been baptized in the past to continue to follow and, and continue to live lives that profess the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for the beautiful music this morning. I thank you for those that have labored in this area. And, and Lord, what a blessing it is of pointing our heart to you and to the cross and to the gospel. And I pray now that you would work in all of our hearts. Lord, if somebody is here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, I know, Lord, that they've already heard the gospel today. But Lord, through this message, may the Spirit draw them and work in their life. May they come to Jesus Christ today. And for those of us that are Christians, may we be challenged and re-energized in our faith and our walk with you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing I want you to notice in these verses that they read just a, a few moments ago is, is, is there's, a, there's a, a stark contrast in these scriptures. Look back with me, verse 17 of John 19. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side, one, and Jesus 
in, in the midst. Now, John doesn't give us all of the details that the other gospel writers uh, give us, but I want to encourage you to go back and read the account of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, as well as this account in John, and, and you get kind of a fuller picture of what, what was going on and, and all that was happening in that time. But John gave us specific details that he wanted us to have, and, and so he tells us that Jesus was going to this place that was called the skull, the, the place called Golgotha. This would have been a place in that day and age where uh, was, it would have been a place of, of death, would have been a place where many people had, had been killed because of, their, because of their crimes. And so that brings us to the great contrast. Here in this second verse that we read in verse number 18, the Bible tells us that Jesus was crucified and he was in the midst of, of two others. If we go to the Gospel of Luke, it's there in Luke that, that Luke tells us that these others were male factors. If you'll remember with me, just the last few weeks, we looked, at, looked through this passage. The Jews, when they brought Jesus to Pilate, Pilate said, I find no fault in him. And the Jews used that very word. They said, listen, if it wasn't true that he was a male factor, we would not bring him to you. And what the Jews were saying, if it wasn't true that he had done some evil work, that he was an evil man, we would not have brought him to you. And so John uses that word to, to contrast really who Jesus is. Jesus was the innocent man that was crucified between those two sinful people. Would you this morning contrast Jesus with your own life? You see, when Jesus went to the cross, he was an innocent man that shed his blood. He was God in flesh that, that shed his blood for the sins of those two male factors, those two evil men, those two robbers, those two thieves that were there on either side of him. You see, it was for those two men that Jesus Christ died. As you read the scriptures, the Bible tells us that they begin to rail on Jesus and finally one of them come to understand who Jesus is. And he, by faith, accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. And Jesus tells him, today you shall be with me in paradise. Because of his faith, when he came to understand who Jesus truly is. This morning, would you contrast Jesus with your own life? Because you see, Jesus didn't die just for those two men. The Bible tells us that Jesus came and died for the sins of the world. Jesus came and died for you. Going all the way back to the beginning, we see the issue and the problem of, of sin. Sin came into this world, and the Bible tells us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so it was for all that have sinned that Jesus came and died. He took the iniquity of us all on himself. We, this morning, need to be honest with ourselves we as sinners deserve death and separation from God. But he who is the innocent one died in our place. And the Bible tells us that he rose again the third day and God through Jesus Christ offers the free gift of salvation by his grace. And if we would turn from our sin and turn to Jesus Christ in faith, receive that gift of salvation, he'll gloriously save us from our sin. And many in this room have done that, but maybe you have it, my friend. Would you, would you contrast your life with Christ? 
You see, you might think you're a moral person and you're a good person. And hey, pastor, why are you, why are you being so hard on me? Don't you know I got up and I came to church today? Don't you know I've been singing these songs and, and I even brought my Bible with me? Listen, you can do all the moral and the righteous things that you believe you're doing in your life. And your righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. And your righteousness will never earn you favor with God. But it's Christ's righteousness in us that God sees. You see, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, His righteousness is imputed to us. And it's not our righteousness that God sees, but it's the righteousness of Christ. But I think we really have to take a hard look this morning. You see, those two male factors on either side begin to rail at Jesus, and, and finally one of them said to, to them, don't you understand? Don't you understand this man is innocent. We are here because of our sins, but he is innocent. And it finally clicked. It came to him where he understood that this man was not dying for his sins because he was not a sinner, but he was dying for the sins of those men and the sins of all mankind. And it was that day he accepted Christ as, as his Savior. I hope that you'll see that this morning. Number two, we see the denial we see a great denial. In verse number 19, Pilate wrote a title and, and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. You see, Jesus, Pilate could not find anything wrong with Pilate could not find anything wrong with Jesus to, to send him to, to the cross. And so he accused him there of claiming to be a king. He goes on to say in verse 20, this title then read many of the Jews for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city and it was written in the Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priests and the Jews to Pilate, write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. You see, crucifixion was done to the enemies of Rome. A Roman citizen was not able to be crucified without the permission of the emperor. And Pilate was not crucifying Jesus for his sins. Pilate had to come up with some reason. And so Pilate was crucifying Jesus for being the king, king of the Jews. And it was when they said that, don't write the king of the Jews but write that he says he's the king of the Jews. And so we once again see the denial, the denial of Jesus. Many people in our world hear the name of Jesus and many people say, well, I believe in Jesus and I believe he was a good man and I, and I believe that, you know, he was a historical figure, but they want to deny the fact that he is God in the flesh and that he is the king and they want to deny that he died for their sins. In the same way that these Jews denied that Jesus was, their, Jesus was their king. And so Pilate, coming up with some answer, said the king of the Jews. And they did not want to claim that. I don't know what, what's keeping you from coming to Christ. What's causing you not to accept him as your savior. What's causing you to even deny him this morning. But my friend, I hope you'll come to understand who Jesus is. He's the Savior that died for your sins. Can I challenge you? Don't deny him. Don't deny him. Verses 23 and 24, we see number three, the prophecies that have been, have been fulfilled. The Bible says the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier as a part and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout 
And they said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, they parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Here the emphasis of this prophecy is on the garments of Jesus and the soldiers that would, would carry out this act of crucifixion and, and that would watch over the prisoners were allowed in those days to take all of the uh, material things of that prisoner and, and keep it for themselves. And so the Bible says they did that very thing and they parted these. But when they came to the coat, they did not want to tear this coat, this outer garment. And so they cast it lots. And this, prophet, this was a fulfillment of prophecy. As you read throughout the Gospels, you see uh, many other prophecies that pointed to the fact that this man was the Messiah of the Old Testament. You see the triumphant em entry just in this, in this week, in these moments, the last days of his life, his triumphant entry, the prophecy that he'd be delivered into the hands of the Gentiles, the, the fact that he would be silent before his accusers, that his garments would be divided, that his bones would not be broken and that he would be pierced. You see, these prophecies are so important because they're not just stories in the Old Testament, but they're, 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 they're prophecies from God thousands of years before pointing to the fact that Jesus was who he said he was. Jesus is who he said he is. That's the whole purpose of John's writing. What did he tell us? These things I write that you might know that Jesus is the Son of God and that knowing you might have faith in him, believing and receiving eternal life. And so God's prophecies fulfill the same purpose that we might know this wasn't just a man that died on the cross. This wasn't some crazy person that, that was out of his mind, that didn't know who, know who he was. All the prophecies of the Old Testament pointed to Jesus Christ, fulfilling the scriptures that God gave us years before. And then finally, number four, we see ultimately the death. In verse 25, we see here beginning his care for his, his mother and those they loved. In verse 25, it says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, Behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And, and from that hour that disciple took her unto his, own, unto his own home. John gives us this picture that while there were soldiers there fighting over his garments and, and, and passing them out amongst others, there were those that loved Jesus standing by and grieving. Obviously they were close enough to communicate with, with Jesus. And Jesus so cared for his, his mother, his earthly mother, Mary. And, and as he was able to take breaths, he would respond to that disciple that he loved that we know as John. And he tells John, this is your mother, and mother, behold, your, your son. Even in those very moments, he showed his care and compassion for those that were his followers. And then we see in these last verses, verse 28, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. And when Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. 
and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. It is finished. You see, he had completed what the Father sent him to do. If you'll remember just a few moments before this in his life, he was in the garden and he prayed, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. Everything that God had had given him to do here on this earth, he completed. But not only was the Father's will complete, but the judgment of sin was complete. The Bible tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And we go back to Isaiah chapter 53, and these are the verses that we read in the first six verses. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him, and he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. And we like sheep have gone astray and have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him, the Lord hath laid on Jesus Christ the iniquity of us all. Paul tells us this way in Corinthians, he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You see, when Christ said it was finished and and just those moments later when he died on the cross, the forgiveness of sin was made available through the shed blood of Jesus. In just three days, he's going to rise again, proving once again who he is, showing his power, not only to give his life, but to take it up again, but also to give life to all those that will come to him. See, for some reason in our world today, we've developed these systems of the religion that say we have to keep doing, we have to keep doing, we have to keep doing. But if we take an honest look at the scriptures, it doesn't say we have to keep doing. It says it's done. Jesus on the cross said it is finished. I died once and for all, and there's nothing that you can do to earn your salvation or to, to make yourself right with God. It's only through Jesus Christ. Jesus has spent many these years with his disciples, and he's trying to teach them, and they're struggling to understand. And he tells them that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto me, no, unto the Father but by me. He's telling them this, and, and they have a hard time understanding. He tells them that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay my life down, and three days later it's going to rise up again. And they're struggling to see. And here Jesus says, it is finished. And I think they probably still struggled to understand what he was talking about. 
Because in just a few days, the body of the Jesus, their Savior, is going to be removed from that, temp, that, that tomb. Not removed. It's going to rise again from the grave and leave that grave in its own power. And they're going to see Jesus. And the Bible tells us they finally got it. They, they finally understood all that he was talking about and all that he was going to do. I think they finally understood what he meant when he said, it's finished. My friend, I hope you realize today who Jesus is. I hope you realize what he did for you on the cross and the gift that he is, he is offering to you. If not, may today be the day that you accept Christ as your savior. But for those of us that are, those of us that are believers, what more motivation do we need in our life to serve him and to preach the gospel and to glorify God with our life? He did what we could not do for ourselves. I mean, there should be motivation to praise God daily and to preach daily. We should never lose sight of what the cross means to us and what Jesus did for us. And that should motivate us to glorify him in every moment of our life.